Hi, and welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Emma. And I'm Tash. Hello. Hello. How is everyone? As if we haven't been speaking for 40 minutes. (laughs) We're good. We're good. Becky, you still good? I'm still good. So, the horror song from last week. So, it was... Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. It was indeed. And I got so many answers. Deep breath. Well done, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone got it right. No, Rochelle, Carabeth, John, Cindy, Nicole, Ruth, and Stacey. Well done, everybody. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Here, have an invisible t-shirt that we don't have. And a little medal to pin on it. Yep, little badge that we don't have either. You can have that. And a HelloFresh discount code that we also don't have. We don't have those either. HelloFresh, sponsor us. <laughs> but yeah, if HelloFresh do want to sponsor us, uh, please. Or right, any, any meal game. plan. Well, we're easy. We'll take anyone. We're easy. <laughs> Speak for yourself. We are easy. We have a whole section around Tinder with Tash. <laughs> I actually, that's just reminded me. Um, another podcast got in touch Oh, uh, a few weeks ago, and they're called A Couple of Sassholes, which is yeah. a very clever name, by the way. Sassholes. Very well done. Oh. And um, they're, they're very funny. I've listened to them a few times. Anyway, she messaged me because at one point we might do a little collab or something like that. But she said Tinder with Tash is her new favourite everything. She loves <laughs> it. Thank you. So there you go. And also, I didn't tell you this week, but you know when you were talking about that married man? Yeah. Ruth was extremely impressed with your detective skills and was like, oh, well mate. done for sussing out that dickhead. I went in like, I know his nan's name. I know when his dog died. Like, I literally, <laughs> I've never stalked someone as much as I like socially stalked him, like on social media. Like, I went in. It paid off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I it was very off. proud of myself with him as well. Yeah. Well, Ruth is proud of you too. Oh, well, thanks, babe. So, anyway, well done, everybody. Did Oh, Tash, did you get any answers? Uh, no, I didn't get any answers for that one, no. Neither did I. On the shemales. Just while I think about it, if you listen to us on Spotify, there is a new function under each episode where it asks you, what did you think about this episode? And I know a couple of people have already used it and they've said nothing but good things and that's absolutely wonderful. So if you do use Spotify and you enjoy a a particular episode, don't hesitate. Go and leave us a comment. It'd be grand. Please and thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Please and thank you. Um, I have a little message from somebody on Instagram if you would like to listen. I would. It is from Miha Trickster. She messaged us saying, Hi, so I was listening to the latest episode and I have to say this, every time I go to write out brain, I somehow always type out Brian. So do I. So the brain smart parts really make me giggle. (laughs) Brain smart. Also, thank you ladies so much for everything you do. I can't tell you the number of nights I've gone from grumpy to a giggling mess. 
Also, can I adopt you as my three older sisters? Yeah. Absolutely. We're free. We're, you yeah. Know, we're free for adoption. Yep. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for getting in touch. We love having you write to us. And little messages like that really do spur us on to continue making great content. It makes me want to stay single for longer just so I can keep bringing you guys Tinder or Tash. You do know, Tash, when you get a boyfriend, you can still come on the podcast. It's fine. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. We'll just go through the stages of your relationship with you. That's all. It will like you'll all be coming with me. Like, yeah. There's no way that I couldn't, couldn't take It's not like we're going to kick you off. (laughs) Is it, Bex? No. I mean, there may be national outrage throughout the podcasting community but (laughs) riots people looting (laughs) and everything storming the capital of every country (laughs) (laughs) but i was thinking like if ever there was a long-term boyfriend or just a bit of a dry spell we can just uh find cool stories online as well or like ask people to set to to write them in i'm sure people once they actually get writing down their nightmare dates, it'll turn into a good email. Just actually sitting down and doing it and typing out an email. Yeah, and but yeah, and we'll be so famous then. Everybody will be writing in. They'll be dying, but, uh, dying for us to uh, read their nightmares on our their podcast. Nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very much, Miha. That's lovely. And to be honest, it's the same for us. We start this podcast off dead grumpy, tired, fed up of life, and then just chatting to each other. At the end of it, we're just giggling piles of verbal diarrhea. Yeah. Snotty noses. <laughs> Snotty laughs all around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tinder with Tash? Tinder with Tash. Boom, 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 boom. Sit down you boys and girls and everyone in between Story time Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? We're about to find out Cause it's Tinder with Tash So, I'll be honest, Tinder's a bit dry this week I've been very busy with work, I've worked an extraordinary amount But I have had a message from a lovely gentleman called Michael. Oi, oi, Michael. slid into my DMs. Oi, sneaky. I have not changed his names. His name is Michael. Ah. Well, there's loads of Michaels, though, isn't there? According to his profile, his name is Michael. The message as follow goes, Hello, gorgeous. Love heart emoji. Your profile caught my eye. Care to be my sugar baby and get spoilt with a weekly allowance of $2,000? All daddy wants in return is a good conversation. I will be counting the seconds until I hear from you. I hope to hear from you soon. Praying hands, love heart, love heart. <laughs> call him daddy. <laughs> thing is, though, people that call people daddy have just ruined ruined that word there's a there's an age limit that you can't call your daddy dad your actual dad daddy anymore just weird unless you're posh yeah oh daddy mother mama dear daddy dearest daddy kins 
<laughs> and then that is kind of like a sugar daddy relationship anyway because i'm pretty sure they only call their daddy daddy so they get more money yeah Ooh. daddy fetch my house coat <laughs> yeah so oh. i decide to play with michael a little bit saucy i put sure sounds nice but let me guess i have to send you money to release the money first I thought, you know what, Michael, I know how this game goes. I'm going to call you out. Call him out. Uno, Uno switch card, bam, back in your face. Yeah. Yeah. He went, yes, but not the way you think. Do you use Cash App? (laughs) That's exactly the way that I thought, actually, Michael. (laughs) Turd. So I simply reply, no. I tell him it's a scam. He put, don't. I don't want to deceive you. The fee is only $50 and then you'll get your allowance. I put, you tell me that I'll have to send you $50 to release the money. And then you'll tell me, just send me $60 more, $100 more. And then it will be another and another and another. And there'll still be no money in my account. He put, I told you up front so you don't think I'm lying. I think he's lying. I think he is. I put, I've had these messages from other guys before. Yeah, Michael. And I know girls that have been scammed. He put, the fee is just $50. That is all. Yeah, just just, just let me scam you. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> He's like, I am not a scammer. They are. I've told you the truth. If you don't trust me, you can just block me. I put, it's a shame you do this to women. And then he put, why are you so angry at me? I just want to be your sugar daddy. I put, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. Yeah. Go on, Michael, in the naughty corner. You should have sent him to top that off. You just need to send him the, the gif of that. I am the captain now. That, that gif. <laughs> in your face, Michael. He then put, I'm not after your money. I put, I think you are, Michael. I because you're you asking are. for it. <laughs> Well, yeah, literally, you are asking for money, so that's what's happening. Um, So I put, yeah, you are after my money. I know how this goes. Why don't you just copy and paste the message onto the next girl? And he didn't reply. I think I angered him. And uh, I don't think he wants me to be a sugar baby anymore. Oh, To be honest, I'm quite hurt. I don't think you're missing out, babe. I don't think he fought for you hard enough. No, no, nor do I, actually. He gave up pretty quick. (laughs) So, yeah, it's very sad. But in other news, my friend who was single, who now isn't, her boyfriend has a single friend. And basically, we're conspiring to set up a little four-way date. Ooh. The plan was... (laughs) So... We did, we've been trying for a while, basically, but me and her are quite like last minute in terms of like when we see each other. And obviously other people aren't necessarily like that. So they like plan things in their lives where me and her don't. So every time that we've been like, oh, like get, get Frank, let's call him Frank round. He's busy, which is fair enough. So I met this guy at an event that we hosted at the pub that I work at at the weekend. And he simmed quite nice. 
I didn't really speak to him that much because like, I was really busy. But yeah, yeah. Exchanged niceties and pleasantries and all that jazz. And we have hatched a plan. <gasps> My friend has quite a small house. And I was like, oh, like do dinner and invite him and invite me. And they were like, oh, there's not much room. Because there isn't. Like it's quite snug at their house. Yeah. And um, yeah. so I said, I know. <laughs> I'll host dinner, which I don't know if that's really weird. I was like, I'll host and you can all come over to mine. Um, So I think we're going to try and get that in motion for the next like few weeks or so. Oh, and I have a meal. Oh, fingers crossed. Like a dinner, like everyone over to mine for dinner. I say everyone, them and him over for dinner. And then... Yeah, just see if we get on, I guess. Yeah, see where the Basically, night takes you. Basically, he doesn't you. know. He doesn't know we're hatching this plan. <laughs> but Tash, just just cook him a meal. He'll fall instantly in love. So, so um, my friend's boyfriend was like, what, you're going to cook for him? And like, I was like, well, I'm like- going to cook for you all. I was like, I'm not just going to cook dinner for him and you lot just have to watch. Give you guys peanuts and that's all you can eat. Yeah, and, watch and, and eat. he was like, he was like, yeah, wifey and show him what you'd give him. And I was like, all right, all right. So, yeah. So, anyway, so there could be some interest in Tinder with Tash soon. Yeah. Fab. Right. All right. All right. And Becky. I can't do accents at all, especially that one. <laughs> that, that's all I can say. Do you want to know something really creepy that happened? Oh, actually, two really creepy things happened to me, and I think they happened to me on the same day. Ooh. Yeah. You know, we've talked about getting woken up by somebody saying your name, like, in your ear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got woken up like that, only it was somebody saying, Spencer. Right in my ear. <laughs> who's, who's Spencer? Like Heidi and Spencer. Like who? Heidi. Is it Heidi and Spencer? <laughs> That's such a... A... Yeah, from... Um... Horrible people. Yeah. From the okay, hills. Keep going now. I want to know the story. <laughs> no, that that's literally it. I do not know a Spencer. Was it like Spencer or was it like Spencer? No, it was like Spencer. And it woke me up and I was like, who the fuck's Spencer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who the fuck is Spencer? So that was a bit odd. Really yes. odd. And creeped me out a little bit. And then I got a text message. And if anybody out there has got an explanation for this, please give it to me because I've Googled it and I can't find it. And my husband is very tech savvy. He can't really explain it apart from being a glitch. But you know, on iPhone, when you get a text, it either tells you the number or hidden number or the person it's from. I mean, I've never had a hidden number text, but yeah. But yeah, there's always some kind of heading before you open the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see who's it from. I got a text that just said SMS, right? When I opened it, it's somebody asking me, how's your world? And no idea who it is. So I replied and I said, who is this? And they never replied. And then I go on, I press SMS because you can get like the contact details or, you know, the ring back 
anything or yeah 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 nothing no options to call back no no number nothing it just said sms how's your world oh is your phone talking to you what the fuck what's well, made me feel really funny yeah, yeah i i was not a fan oh it's like a ghost and stuck in the sms world Ooh. yeah I just don't know. How is your world? I don't. I can't even think of somebody who would talk to me that way. You know, it's was always... Was it in English or French? It was in English. Oh, oh, that's even weirder. Anybody that's sending me a text in English would be, how are you? How are you doing? You know, how are you getting on? That. How's your world? Oh, I don't like it. I like to start a message on Tinder or whatever with like, how's life? Yeah. But I say that quite a lot to people. I think how's life is like a normal thing to say though, whereas whatever he said, like how's your world? How's your world? Yeah, I don't know. You should have put dying. How's yours? Well, I just wanted to know who it was because I was just like, oh, maybe it's somebody I gave my number to, you know, like a friend I gave my number to and I didn't have their number or something. But even so, their number should have shown up. But it yeah. literally was SMS, no details, no contact, nothing. So there, fucking creepy. So yeah, that's my little spooky spook that I could have done without. Do you think aliens are texting me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're their first port of call. You're the chosen one. I mean, I can't blame them. I can see why, you know, there's the looks, the personality, the intelligence. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. Me too. They probably just wanted to visit for the holidays and there was like, how's, they meant, kind of meant to say, how's the weather? Whether they were going to come. So they knew how to dress. Mm. <laughs> you know. Or just generally, how's the world? You know? How's the world? Yeah. I could say, well, it's shit. Go, go somewhere that's not this shit. It's a shithole. Yeah. Odd. Yeah. Very odd. Very strange. I don't think anything strange happened to me this week. Nothing that I can recall. Well, good for you. At least you haven't got somebody weird whispering Spencer in your fucking ear. I did get woken up to someone shouting my name a few weeks ago. All right. It's usually like my dad's voice. You know, when you get told off as a kid and it's like, Rebecca! <laughs> yeah it's often that you know it's like when you wake up all of a sudden you're like <gasps> yeah and you know that you've just heard somebody talk to you i don't know it's oh, very absolutely. strange yeah it's weird is that it is quite i mean i think it happens to everyone but yeah it was something that i completely forgotten about until you mentioned it on the podcast yeah has it ever happened to you tash no oh so it's not everybody I wake up very early, though. I think maybe the, what the ghost the is ghost still asleep. Come out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she just probably rolls over and goes "fuck off." <laughs> Let me alone. I'm awake at like five o'clock most mornings. So. Oh yeah, that's way too early for ghosts. I like no, no, yeah. mate. Yeah. I was like, it's either three o'clock in the morning or not at all. So, <laughs> shall we get on with the stories? Because do, do you think? Do you think? Who's first? Me. Or vu. It's it's moi. It is moi. Right. Left. <laughs> Not this again. 
Oh, don't start that again. <laughs> uh, before I start my story, I just want to touch on something. The sound effects that I add to the podcast. People were all like, yay, sound effects, amazing, you know, really enjoy it. And that's absolutely brilliant. But some of the stories I tell, obviously because we're talking about paranormal stuff, etc. sometimes you've got to go into historical events and it's more about the history of a place a bit like the tower of london and places like that that we've covered where it's more about the history than an actual story that has a beginning middle and an end kind of thing if you're with me if you understand what i'm trying to say yes. and so when i'm editing i mean obviously i'll see but when i'm editing it really i i have to have a feel uh like a sense of oh, that sound will sound good here or that sound. I can't just stick sound effects in there for the sake of it because I don't want it to sound cheesy or OTT. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So basically this week, it's one of those stories where it's going to be more historical than a story of about people that move into this house and then this happens and that happens and this bangs and she screams and then there's footsteps and, you know, th- yeah. there isn't any of that. So I don't want people thinking, oh, no, she's not doing sound effects anymore. It's just I think they go better with some stories than others. And I want to keep creating quality content. And I don't want to diminish a story by shoving in a few screams where it didn't really doesn't really fit. Yeah, when it, did, it didn't need it and just to be cheesy, basically. Mm. So, yeah. There may be, there might be sound effects in this one. I, I, I'll see when I'm editing. Uh-huh. But if they're not, it doesn't mean that next week there won't be any. That's that's just what I'm saying. I can't take the pressure of having to do it every week if I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Hopefully that little Capiche. ramble made sense to everybody. It made sense to moi. Good. That being said, my story this week is about Bodmin Jail in Cornwall. Bodmin. Bodmin. Have you heard of Bodmin? I've never heard of it, but it sounds like a really cute name for a prison. Bodmin. It sounds like the Hufflepuff of prisons. Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm going to Bodmin prison. <laughs> Compared to like Broadmoor, I know it's not the same type of thing, but Broadmoor sounds scary as shit. And so does Alcatraz. That sounds scary. Azkaban. If you if you tash. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I obviously have an interest in the paranormal and stuff, and I've heard of Bodmin Jail because it is an extremely haunted building. But you've got the Beast of Bodmin as well, because you've got Bodmin Moors. Bodmin just reminds me of like an ale. I could imagine there's an ale called Bodmin. I just imagine a load of people that'll say words like, oh, pish posh and pidge podge and oh, I was absolutely trolled last night. <laughs> That's just how I imagine I know it's Cornwall, so they don't speak like that. But... They speak like farmers in Cornwall, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dilly Danny. Oh, that's not, not the right one. Trotter. <laughs> that's also <laughs> Somerset that they speak like farmers. But anyway, let's move on. Come on. <laughs> Uh, they do sound a bit farmery in Cornwall. Yeah, I think so. A little bit. So, <laughs> when talking about... <laughs> Jeez. When talking about haunted buildings, 
there seems to be a theme that the most active places tend to be where people experience the most despair, the most horror, the most fear. The very stones of the building seem to absorb these feelings of pure sadness, making the place itself an emotional negative of a photo taken long ago, giving us a glimpse of the dark history people had to endure. Bodmin Jail in Cornwall is one such place, and as we'll see, its walls hold an impressive amount of paranormal happenings. Dun, dun, dun. The jail was built in 1779 as the jailing facilities of the time were full to capacity. The jail was to be a first in the UK as it intended to make life more comfortable for its prisoners. Kind of sounds like cushy. It was built with an old-timey central heating system using vents throughout the building, bringing heat from a stove. Clean water was also provided to avoid the diseases that run rampant throughout the overpopulated prisons. The prisoners would also have access to hot water so that they could bathe and maintain a proper hygiene whilst serving their sentence. It would be divided into three groups of prisoners, the repeat offenders that would spend more time in Bodmin Jail than in the outside world. The second group was for minor offences, for people that would serve lesser sentences. And the third was for the debtors, as back in the 17th and 18th century, not being able to pay your debts was a much higher offence than it is today. I actually think you could have possibly even got the death sentence for being a debtor. Don't quote me on that, but... Fucking hell, I'd be dead many times over. Mm. I mean, I pay my debts. Well, then you wouldn't be dead. These these are people that don't pay their debts. Okay, I pay all my debts. You would be good. I mean, probably... You probably wouldn't be good because of the hussy side. You know, that was a bit frowned upon, but... <laughs> <laughs> Some people would like it. Lots of people would like they it. They were the other... only ones that mattered to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, all three of us back then would have been probably fucked. I think if I if it was back then, I'd be getting paid for it. Yeah, but I think that was pretty frowned upon. Oh. Mm. Well, women, I don't think women were just hussies. I think they were either married or prostitutes, surely. Yes, but the prostitutes were frowned upon because there's no form of contraceptive, so they're full of... Well, there is, you just swallow. <laughs> okay. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you'd, you'd have illegitimate children. <laughs> she disgusted herself. <laughs> oh, God, sweet baby Jesus. Uh, no, I think all three of us would probably be um, frowned upon. Let's put it that way. Probably. Besides these three groups, men and women were also divided and never mingled within the jail's walls, which was also a first because uh, before then they were just all chucked in there together. So I can imagine there was a lot of stuff going on in the prisons. What do you mean stuff? Well, like the sex. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, thanks. Why'd you go all shy? The sex. The sex was happening. It was happening everywhere. Sorry. I just don't know what where I'd gone and I forgot that that existed. What, the sex? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it did. And I oh, bet God. that's why they divided them in this new jail. What, because they were all shagging too much? Probably. I mean, if the prisoners were mingling... I mean, to be fair, if you're stuck in a prison, why the fuck not? <laughs> I guess exactly. so, yeah. They're all bad boys in there. The prisoners would not just be held in their cells, they would be put to work to make their punishment harder and hopefully motivate them more to not reoffend. The men would spend their days on something called the treadwheel, where they would spend up to 15 minutes on something that sounds very similar to like a big hamster wheel. Oh yeah, that was what I was imagining, to be fair. Oh well, there you go. And after their 15 minutes... They'd have to go and sit and pick oakum, which is a fibre that's used to cork the hulls of ships. All right. And this was all day. So it was like, you pick the oakum, you go back on the hamster wheel. You pick the oakum, you go back on the hamster wheel. Sorry, what are they on the hamster wheel for? Just cause. So it's not like doing anything. It's just their exercise. The way I read it, it wasn't for anything specific. I might be completely wrong, but the way I read it, no, they were just so it on wasn't a like a wheel. mill or something, you know, like they were turning or milling flour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like it didn't say that. No. Okay, fine. It might have had something to do with the oakum. I don't know, but okay, fine. I just that's all right. I just know that that's what they were doing. Fifteen minutes, then pick some stuff. Then fifteen minutes, then pick some stuff. Okay. All day for hours on end to be done in total silence and isolation from other prisoners. The boredom and the exhaustion must have been so intense. Yeah. They would also be sent to break rocks, which sounds fun. <laughs> Just go and <laughs> smash some rocks. Or to make some ropes. The women were also put to work sewing and washing. All of this was to make the prison money to help with the upkeep of the inmates. So, you know, they sold the oakum to the, for the ships and the sewing stuff to other places and the ropes to other places, and that's how the prison made an income. Between 1735 and 1909, 80 people were executed in Cornwall, although, granted, not all were inside the jail. A large number of those executions were held publicly on the Bodmin Common, then they moved to just outside the jail walls, and in 1834, executions were held inside the jail. There were two hanging sites where 11 people were hanged. In 1909 came the hanging pit that was a more advanced way of hanging. It included a trapdoor mechanism and was said to kill the condemned more quickly and painlessly. Messing up a hanging was not a pretty sight. If the prisoner didn't drop properly, it could simply decapitate the inmate. If the knot was not placed properly, then the prisoner's neck would not break and they were left to be strangled to death. And this could take anywhere from 10 minutes to half an hour and was no doubt a ghastly sight to witness. The most common crimes that got the offender the death sentence were, of course, murder. Mm. The second most common was stealing, then infanticide, and finally, highway robbery. Stealing livestock in a time where food was scarce, could also get you sentenced to death, as did arson. So you steal a sheep, you're going to hang. You set someone's crops on fire, you're going to hang. You know, they, they don't fuck about. I mean, it sounds like they're being hung for pretty much everything, to be honest. I've, what other crimes were there to commit? 
well, rape and stuff. Oh, okay. I think it probably just depended on the severity of the crime. Yeah. Yeah. But stealing a sheep, if you're also starving, surely. Well, it's still theft, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the last execution to happen in Cornwall was that of a William Hampton. He was sentenced to death for murdering his girlfriend, Emily Barnes, who was just 16 at the time. He strangled her to death for wanting to break up with him. After receiving sentencing, he was to spend three weeks in the condemned cell, a place made just for people who were sentenced to death. He had to wait three weeks as that was the law of the time because it was thought it would give the prisoner a lot of time to think about what was awaiting them as the days went by. Can you imagine just being in that cell and every day you know you're one day closer and then one day closer? Yeah, it's just shit, isn't it? Awful. I mean, he murdered his girlfriend, so it's not awful, but I think there are people that got hanged for a lot less. Yeah, or possibly even were innocent. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. And so, on July 20th, 1909, William was hanged at the age of 24. Without any complications, his neck broke instantly, but just to be sure, he was left hanging in the hanging pit for 30 minutes. The bodies of the executed were not allowed in normal cemeteries, so they were all buried on the grounds of Bodmin Jail. So, again, it's coming back to that despair, the the fear, the just negative energy, plus they're burying people there. You're kind of asking for it. Yeah, mass grave equals possible haunting, or almost yeah. for sure. There was a naval prison that branched off the jail. This is now in ruins, but at the time it housed Navy sailors that had committed crimes. Although they ate better than the civilian prisoners, their time there was no walk in the park. They were worked hard and had very long hours. In 1911, the women's section was closed. In 1916, after the breakout of World War I, the main jail was also closed. And lastly, the Navy prison closed in 1922. The building was put up for sale and bought in the 1930s. They would hold mock executions for people four times a day to show what life would have been like at the prison. During the Second World War, the prison held the crown jewels in the condemned cell that we were talking about earlier, under heavy guard. After a few years, the building underwent another transformation into, can you guess what? A holiday camp? No. A hotel? No. Even more ridiculous, it became a casino and a nightclub. (laughs) That sounds fun. So it couldn't be further from its initial purpose. And nowadays it has been changed once more into a tourist attraction, a hotel, restaurant and a bar. People can go and learn about the history of the jail or take a paranormal tour to hear about the damned souls that still reside within its walls. And that's where my story truly starts. Let's delve deeper into the spirits that haunt Bodmin Jail. 18-year-old Matthew Weeks was a crippled farmhand and sentenced to death for murdering his lover Charlotte Diamond by slitting her throat twice on Bodmin Moor. Although he pleaded innocence, he was hanged in front of 20,000 people on April 14th, 1844. His ghost has been seen aimlessly wandering around the jail, a look of confusion across his face. 
His lover's ghost is also seen wearing a silk bonnet and a gown on the anniversary of her death at the site of the murder. So that one, I didn't really go too much into it, but as time has passed, apparently his guilt is questionable. So as you were saying earlier, Becky, this could be a perfect example of some poor old kid that was just hanged for no reason. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's quite a few of those yeah. around. And how can you like peacefully go over, pass over or whatever if you know you're innocent? Well, you can't. Selena Wadge, which... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to say that too quickly, do you? <laughs> Have you Selena Wadge? <laughs> Lately? <laughs> Right, serious, because this lady had it rough, okay? Oh, did she? Oh, sounds like she, she? Had a great time. Maybe she likes it that way. Oh, girls. <laughs> You're going to feel bad when I say the full sentence. Oh. Selena Wadge. <laughs> Selena Wadge was the last woman to be hanged in Cornwall. Her sentence was carried out on the 15th of August, 1887. <laughs> Oh, you're going to hell. <laughs> Let me mute myself because I can't stop laughing. <sighs> she went to the gallows quietly sobbing and holding a handkerchief tightly in her hand. She plummeted into the hanging pit at 8pm precisely. Her last words were, Lord, deliver me from this miserable world. And her life had indeed been miserable. She had two children out of wedlock, the youngest just two years old and is said to have had some kind of disability. Aww. Yeah. He was called Harry. Her other child, also a boy, was six. She worked hard and did her utmost to look after her children. It is said that they always looked well-fed and clothed. But despite this, society frowned upon her as a single mother, and every day was a struggle to keep food on the table. She then met a man called James Westwood, who apparently promised he would marry her if she got rid of her son, Harry. Aww. Yeah. Selina was on her way to meet Mr. Westwood when she stopped at a well and threw poor little Harry down to his death. Oh, Harry... Her lover denied these accusations and said he had nothing against her children and he never made such a request. The jury found her guilty but asked for leniency as they thought her to be suffering with mental issues. But the judge did not comply and sentenced her to die at the age of 28. She was left hanging dead for an hour before being buried on the jail's ground. Her ghost is often seen by children who ask who the lady in the long dress is and why is she crying. She has also tried to grab young children and has made pregnant women feel extremely overwhelmed with guilt and full of despair when she's around. The brothers, William and James Lightfoot, were convicted and sentenced to death for the murder of Neville Norway, a local merchant who they'd robbed and beat to death. They were hung publicly on the 13th of April, 1840. 25,000 people watched as the brothers met their demise. The train even stopped on the tracks to let the people watch from the carriages. God, that's a bit much, isn't it? Well, that's how much people love to hang in. Yeah, I guess so. 
Their spirits are said to roam the dark, dank corridors of the jail. But that's not even the spookiest part. On the day of his death, Neville's brother, Captain Edmund Norway, was thousands of miles away and had a terrible nightmare that his brother was being killed by two men. He awoke in such a state that he told his second officer about his dream, who reassured him but said that the captain should write it in the ship's log. He didn't learn of his brother's murder until two months later upon his return to England. Looking at the logbook and taking into account time zone differences, Edmund dreamt of his brother's death as it was happening. Oh. oh. So that's spooky. Yeah. Another famous ghost of Bodmin Jail is that of the spirit they have nicknamed George. He was a warder and is said to have died suddenly of a heart attack whilst on duty. He haunts the hallways, still keeping guard over his jail. The sound of keys has been heard by visitors and others have actually seen his apparition. Due to its dark and cruel history, Bodmin Jail is no doubt full of restless spirits, too many to count. But some of the witness accounts say that they have seen the spirit of a priest wandering between the cells. And in the naval prison, some have seen the figure of a very thin and pale man. Visitors have had stones thrown at them, been shoved, scratched, grabbed. They've had their faces stroked and experienced unexplained gusts of cold air pushing past them with no way of knowing which one of the tortured souls is the cause of the activity. Oh, I'm not, not on for the face stroke. Oh, no. The reason the jail might be so haunted could be because of a lady called Rose Wright. She lived in a small village on the edge of Bodmin Moor and was considered a witch by the villagers. They were a little scared of Rose, but also bought potions that she would make to help them heal of any ailments they were suffering. However, one year there was a terrible drought and, of course, they blamed Rose and her witchcraft. She was shunned by the village and forced to live in isolation in the woods. Lonely and hungry, as she could no longer afford food as no one was buying her potions, Rose befriended the jackdaws, intelligent birds that have always shown a liking to humans. Much like their cousins, the magpies, jackdaws like shiny things. And soon they began bringing Rose presents, coins and jewellery that they would steal from the village. Eventually, the villagers caught on to what Rose was up to with the jackdaws and she was incarcerated at Bodmin Jail at the age of 36 in 1846. She was in a pretty rough state upon her arrival due to starvation and dysentery. However, she did not arrive alone. The jackdaws followed her and were known to cause chaos in the jail, making noise during the night, pestering her fellow inmates and the guards by trying to steal their keys. Rose died just two months after arriving at the prison due to her ill health. The jackdaws, however, did not leave. Before passing away, she put a curse on the jail and the town of Bodmin. Should the last jackdaw be born at Bodmin Jail, so the spirits of the condemned shall rise and bring misfortune and chaos to all that reside within. One thing is for sure, if anywhere's going to be haunted, I'm putting my money on Bodmin Jail. And there you go. I think it's a good place to bet on, by the sounds of it. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Cursed by a witch, tons of hangings people buried there that'll do well thank you for that 
No problem. I I enjoy those type of stories because I'm a bit of a history buff. So I love learning about the... I know it's weird and it's a bit morbid, but I love the dark, the kind of darker side of history. Well, it's a very dark side of history, as you say. <laughs> There's lots of that. Yeah, it is interesting. That just really interests me. Anyway, there you go. Botman Jail. Botman, Sorted. Botman. Done. Botman. The Hufflepuff of prisons. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's stick a trailer on here. Yeah. I'm Pitney. And I'm Amelia. And we're from... Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique. Who are we? Why, we're your new best friends, of course. Pull up a seat and listen in to what we think about people, places, and things. Geeky stuff, horror movies, weirdos we know, spirituality, sexuality, food, filth. It's like eavesdropping on the people at the next table for like an hour or so and wishing you could join in on their conversation. Also, do you see who just came in? Look at that hair. Oh, honey, just no. (gasps) Bitchiness, you're soaking in it. We soften your hands while you do the dishes. Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique. We're here. We're queer. And we're we're in your your ear. Every other Friday, where all the classiest podcasts are found. Okay then. Right, well, shall I get to my story for this uh, this week? Yes, please. S'il vous plaît, madame. Okay then. Alright, alright, alright. The murder. The murder. Right, so this week, my story starts with a lady called Sadie Hartley. Sadie was the third of seven children... And she was brought up in a three-bedroomed council house in the UK in Newark, Nottinghamshire. Her dad was a long-distance lorry driver and her mum was a full-time housewife. I bet that was tight. Did you say seven kids? Seven kids in a three-bedroomed council house. So over two bedrooms would the kids would be. I assume probably maybe the youngest might have been in with mum and dad. Wow. But yeah. Snug. So, like, four in one, three in another bedroom. Snug, yeah. And one of those bedrooms is the box room, so it's going to be massively tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had a really nice childhood, lovely, lovely family. Unfortunately, her parents passed away quite a few years ago now. She had a really, really happy childhood. She was close to her brothers and sisters. Well, there's no choice. It was so snug. Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> Every year, their parents would make Christmas time special. They would save up their money for a day trip to Skegness, where Sadie and her siblings would uh, build sandcastles and have a paddle in the sea and stuff at Christmas time. That'd be bloody freezing. Yeah. And then enjoy, like, the fun of the fair. Yeah. Sadie went on to study a degree in microbiology and microchemistry. Clever girl. Clever, clever. Yeah, she is. So, yeah, it was Brighton Polytechnic back then, which is now just the University of Brighton. She then started working for Janssen, which is a Johnson & Johnson pharmaceutical company. Sadie had two kids with her now ex-husband, Gary Hartley, and her two children were called Harry and Charlotte. Oh, another Harry! Yeah, another Harry. It's weird how our stories are connected somehow every time. Yeah. Sadie and her best friend, Julie Taylor, started their own company in the year 2000, which was called Hartley Taylor Medical Communications. And that was in Nutsford, Cheshire. 
Nutsford. Nutsford, yeah. We're not doing very well with the names today, are we? <laughs> no, I didn't even realise how it... <laughs> I didn't even realise earlier the name of that town. Imagine if Selena Wadge came from Nutsford. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she did. Anyways, that's where their business was opened and their business was a super success. Boss girls through and through. After 35 years in the pharmaceutical business, Sadie, now divorced, was just looking forward to enjoying herself and enjoying her retirement in the next few years. So Sadie really enjoyed horse riding. She had a massive passion for horses. She always went off on trips, like even to different countries, just going around on horses. She went skiing once a year or sometimes up to three times a year. And she goes away with friends, her family and stuff. Like they make it a big group thing. She's a really, really good skier. And every time they went away, they had such a great time. In 2016, Sadie's daughter, Charlotte, who was 23 at the time, called her mum from Hawaii, where she was holidaying with her boyfriend. This all sounds very, very posh. Very, very middle class. But she's worked for it. Yeah, good on her. So Charlotte called her mum with some very exciting news. Her boyfriend proposed to her while they were away. Romantic. So they're now engaged. So Sadie was super, super happy. Her only daughter is on her way to getting married soon. So she was really, really excited for her. So they chatted for a bit and then said that they'd have a proper catch up when she's back and then she can like get all the details and like look at photos of the trip and stuff. Sadie in the next few days was going to Switzerland to meet up with her current boyfriend, a man called Ian Johnston, who was a former firefighter. So he was already on the skiing trip, but Sadie had to stay back for a few days for work related stuff. So he was already in Switzerland skiing it up. On Friday the 15th of January, two days later, police were called by a concerned employee of Sadie as she had not turned up to work and she hadn't been in touch with anyone at all and that was very, very unusual. If she doesn't turn up to work, she's calling straight away, you know. She doesn't just leave people in the lurch like that. Yeah. So police turned up for a welfare check and looked through the window of her house to see a woman on the floor covered in blood oh no yeah so they smashed a window and they found sadie's body she'd been brutally stabbed to death bloody hell it was a frenzied attack over 40 stab wounds jesus yeah that's overkill yeah they called her son harry and like the closer family that was around and broke the news So then the family had to break the news to Sadie's poor daughter, who was still in Hawaii and would be stuck there for another four days because they couldn't get a flight back before. On the documentary that I watched, which was um, an ITV documentary called uh, The Murder of Sadie Hartley, which is on YouTube. But it's the full ITV documentary and it's really well done. The daughter was on there, you know, and she um, says that she was stuck in Hawaii for days and at the other side of the world, knowing that this horrendous thing has just happened and is going to change her life. And she was just in limbo trying to get back. Ian, her 
bow of the minute. Um, well, they've been together for like I think it's. I couldn't really find how long they've been together. It was all together about two or three years, and he'd mm. moved in. They were living together, so yeah, it wasn't just a fling. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a new thing. So Ian rushed back from Switzerland as quick as possible. He told police about a break-in that they had the previous summer in the August, and that shook well both of them up, but especially Sadie. One week before the murder, there was a knock at the door. Sadie had someone in a baseball cap said that she'd got a, a random like bunch of flowers. So she was like, is this Mrs. Hartley? And she said, yes. And she says, these flowers are for you. And it was a really like scabby, cheap bunch of flowers. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, she was thinking, is it from Ian? But Ian was like, no. And like, I would have sent nicer ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not from me. She didn't have any other love interests on the side or anything. So it was just a very, very weird thing. So police are looking into this and police believe that the flowers may be a way of whoever did the attack to confirm Sadie's address and it was a targeted attack. Ian also fessed up that he had previously cheated on Sadie with a woman called Sarah Williams. He had ended the affair before moving in with Sadie. Sadie did know about it because Sarah sent like a poison letter, is that what it's called? You know, basically telling her everything about the affair and it was the best sex that she ever had and and all this just really, really venomous stuff. Not very nice. Yeah, bitchy. Yeah, they worked through it. You know, they had a really good relationship. They just, he was, she was very just happy, wanted to just have fun and didn't want to dwell on that. So yeah, yeah. He did end the affair. They didn't see each other. And then he told the police that Sarah had actually never stopped harassing him by text. If you're going to write that type of letter, you know, you've got a bit of a screw loose, haven't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, normally you look at the boyfriend, you look at the husband. He had nothing to do with it. He was in a completely different country at the time. The ex-husband, they got on well. You know, they co-parented still the, their children uh, until they were old enough, you know, that, that you didn't really have to anymore. It's not him. So they do start looking into this Sarah Williams. So what they do is they triangulate the cell phone position of Sarah's phone on the night of the murder and then also on the night that the flowers were delivered. And her phone at both times pings a tower right near Sadie's residence. And Sarah Williams lived at the other side of the town, completely other side of Chester. It's not normal for her to be like in the middle of the night or late on those nights to be there. It's very suspicious, in fact. It is a bit suspicious, but by themselves, it's not suspicious. You know, like she's allowed to be out somewhere. It is a town. So anyway, Sarah's best friend, Katrina Walsh, was also present. Police brought Sarah in for questioning, and Sarah said that she had no knowledge at all of Sadie's murder, and that she was in bed all night that night with the stomach bug. But we know that she wasn't, so she's lying. That's just making it more suspicious. Obviously, they haven't told her that they know that that's not where she was. So this is what the police do. They're sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Doing their jobs right for once. 
On the night of the flower delivery as well, she said that she was home all night. Sarah also had another boyfriend, an older man in his 70s. His wife was aware of their relationship and they'd been sleeping together since Sarah was about 18 years old. So he was a bit like her sugar daddy. Oh, that's a bit weird. And she, he wasn't the only boyfriend. So anyone that's kind of got mixed in with this Sarah woman have referred to her as like a compulsive liar and total fantasist. Such as, for an example, when she was 13 years old, she said that she was kidnapped by a sexual assailant, you know, like who kidnapped her off her bicycle and put her in the boot of his car. Despite a nationwide manhunt, no suspect was ever found. And at the time, she was actually seeing a married guy and she concocted this whole abduction hoax to explain her disappearance when she decided to spend the weekend with him. She was 13. Yeah, I was going to say, she was 13 and she was sleeping with a married guy. Yes, I don't know what was happening with her in her childhood, whether she was kind of abused and thought this was normal. I don't know. And I couldn't really find much information. Well, it's not normal. I think we can all agree that's weird. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not normal. But, you know, if she was kind of groomed her whole whole childhood, I'm not sure. But it's something that she keeps. She always likes the married older men. Well, it's just daddy issues, isn't it? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, the fantasies that she had or like these lies that she was telling didn't imply that she didn't have a grip on reality. On the contrary, she knew exactly what she was doing. She indulged in such behavior because it suited her agenda of manipulation. She saw her life entirely through the prism of her relationships. She didn't define her self-worth you know, from her achievements or her intelligence, shrink of her friendships and stuff. But she defined herself through her ability to make the men that she has chosen as targets to want her. So she felt a superiority towards the wives of the men that she targeted. If you know what I mean? So she liked seducing men that were taken because she, that made her feel Yeah, good. she got a kick out of it stealing other people's blokes yeah it was very sexual it often didn't go much further it was just a lot to do with sexual relationships and uh like i say the power that she fell over the man's marriage but it also meant that she was absolutely unable to handle rejection at all she always had to be the one in charge and she couldn't bear it if her advances were rejected or her will challenged so that's the sort of person that she is Meanwhile, police interview Katrina Walsh, who's Sarah's friend, who (laughs) looks absolutely mental. When I send you the pictures, you'll know what I mean. I'm a little bit on the fence with this one. You'll see as we go through. But to me, she doesn't seem all there. She's a few sandwiches short of a picnic. Just very easily led. Yeah. And the way that she speaks is very childlike. You know how kids, when they're excited to tell you something, they kind of burst bits of information out. Yeah. Like, and then this, and this has happened. And, and then this, and, and this, and that's kind of how she speaks. Apparently she has a bit of a memory problem. So she has to write a lot of stuff down. Yeah. And she says, because of this memory problems, after about three sleeps, she can't remember very much. 
which is what she says on the documentary. So even that three sleeves, that's a very kid-like thing to say. I was say. just going to say, have you just slipped into mummy mode or is that actually yeah. what she said? That's how she said. She was like, after three sleeps, she was like, first sleep, it's a bit groggy. Second sleep, I can barely remember. And then third sleep, it's gone. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So she's also got alopecia. Yeah. As well. So she hasn't got a lot of hair on her head. So she tends to wear a hat or a baseball cap quite a lot. Okay. Yeah. Katrina would eventually start cracking and telling the police about the plans that Sarah had. But she says the whole time that Sarah was kind of spewing the hate about Sadie, she didn't think she was being serious. She knows that her friend absolutely cannot take rejection. And she was like, I want to kill the bitch and take him off the bitch. That's what she called Sadie the bitch. When Sarah's the one who's the mistress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sarah's got some issues. She's definitely got some issues. And she does not like it when she doesn't like to lose. And that's what she's seen this as. So she's constantly texting Ian, trying to get him back and trying to get a one-up on Sadie. Then, so Sarah's plan kind of takes a very dark turn when her and Katrina go on holiday to Germany. So they go on holiday to Germany and they end up buying a stun gun and boots that were quite a few sizes too big. But Katrina kind of said, you know, a stun gun by itself can't kill you. I never thought we'd go through with anything. I thought she was kind of going to zap her and then run away or... You know, she never thought that anything bad would come of these plans because of the type of person that Sarah is. She just goes off on these rants, and but nothing really ever happens. I also think that Sarah, this is me uh, thinking this, I also think that Sarah did the same to Katrina than what she did to all those other people. What, just manipulated Manipulated. Katrina's about 20 years older than Sarah, And I do think she is someone that is very easily manipulated. Yeah. Katrina said that Sarah had quite a few big ideas of how to murder Sadie. One being a drive-by shooting on a motorbike draped with the flag of the Islamist group ISIS. Oh yeah, blame it on them. Why not? Okay. Yeah, so this was to dupe police into thinking that it was like a terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah, I can see where she's going. As she was kind of telling them the plans, she was just bursting out the information. And she was like, you know, like I said, oh, and this. And this could be this to do with her memory problems. As things are coming back to her type of thing. Yeah. But just like how how kids can be when they remember things. Like, oh, mum, I forgot this. And yeah. Bursting things out. So as Katrina was spilling all this out, police realised that Sarah was completely delusional because she was just so used to getting her own way and manipulating people that she believed that her and Katrina were plotting the quote perfect murder when actually it was a very amateurish operation that left a mountain of evidence behind for police. So when police searched Katrina's house they found loads of her diaries basically writing down her thoughts from every day So this details back to 18 months before the murder that Sarah had started mentioning murdering Sadie. So it said things like, oh, I'm scared of Sarah. I think she might want to kill Sadie. I'm scared of what she might make me do. And so she did know that Sarah was being serious. Yeah. Which is 
not the same as what she's telling the detectives. Uh-huh. So police also found blood on Sarah Williams' own glasses, which the blood would later be matched to Sadie's DNA profile. So this was the smoking gun that they needed. They found Sadie's blood on Sarah's glasses. Can't really explain that one away. There's no getting out of that one. No. They were also seen on CCTV on both nights, on the night of the flowers and then on the night of the murder. So the the person who delivered the flowers was Katrina, right? Was Katrina, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sarah wasn't far. She must have been waiting in the car just around the corner or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a fucking psycho. Yeah, the boots that were a couple of sizes too big were found in like a wooded area along with the murder weapon. And then Katrina gave them the rest of the stun gun that they had bought because she tried to destroy that. They were both charged with Sadie's murder. They were both found guilty. The judge was called Justice Turner, which is a really fitting name for a judge. (laughs) There are so many judges called Justice It's so weird. No, I think that's their title, isn't it? No. No, that's his name. Because in in my Bodmin Moore story, I'm pretty sure that I read that one of the judges who sentenced someone to hanging was called Justice as well. (laughs) (laughs) So the judge basically told them both a new one at the sentencing. So this was um, what he said as he was about to give them their sentences. Sarah Williams, over a period of about 18 months, you plotted the murder of a woman whose only crime was to love the man that you wanted for yourself. But let no one make the mistake of thinking that it was a crime of passion. It was a crime of obsession, of arrogance, of barbarity. But above all else, it was a crime of pure evil. Agreed. And over a period of 18 months of scheming, you found in Katrina Walsh both a fellow spirit and enthusiastic participant. You, Walsh, are every bit as morally degenerate as Williams. No wonder you have been best friends over these many years. You have so much in common, being not merely indifferent to the suffering that you inflict on others, but positively reveling in it. The evidence in this case as a whole and your diary entries in particular, Walsh, make me sure that your motive in getting involved was the depraved satisfaction to be gained from helping kill another human being. He wasn't fucking around, was he? No. (laughs) He went in. He went in. I have read the dignified and poignant statements of Harry and Charlotte Hartley, Ian Johnson, and Julie Taylor. They reveal Sadie Hartley to have been a loving mother faithful partner and a woman dedicated to achieving and promoting advancement and improvement in the provision of intensive care medicine in the areas of hematology and infection. So that was her like life's work. Yeah. The contrast between her life affirming generosity of spirit and your vile, destructive, resentful, self-regarding hypocrisy could hardly be starker. And then he went on and on, like, basically, absolutely destroying these two women. Yeah. So Sarah Williams, in the end, got life with a minimum of 30 years, and Katrina Walsh got 25 years. Deserved. 
Absolutely. So meanwhile, in all of this, I don't really know what to think about this guy. So Ian Johnston, it's Johnson or Johnston, like my sources vary. I'm going to say Johnson. And well, this is what he says. Johnson said that he'll carry this forever. There's obvious responsibility because in the simplest terms, if he had never met Sarah Williams, she wouldn't have been put in this position where she could have murdered Sadie. This is a quote from him. The remorse I feel, the abject horror of what's happened and the consequences of meeting her, I will regret that forever. How I wish I'd never met her. But Ian said that Sarah was harassing him when actually they were basically sexting each other still. He was still texting Sarah Williams, even on the Switzerland skiing holiday. You can't claim someone's harassing you if you're texting them back. If you're egging them on. Yeah, Yeah, that's a conversation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If he was, he'd blocked her or was like, no, stop and that's it. You don't reply to these people. You don't give them yeah. anything because they'll just grasp on to anything. Absolutely. It's basically a stalker. This is stalker behavior, bunny boiler behavior. I'm a little, I don't really know what to think. Ian's a bit like, oh, I'm a victim. And, uh, and he is. But also I just think, if you'd have kept your dick in your pants, <laughs> well, yeah. this wouldn't have happened. 100%. Well, he played a part, didn't he? You know, yeah. Obviously. I mean, obviously, texting another woman, people do that all the time. People don't get murdered all the time. And actually, killing a love rival for women is actually quite rare. It doesn't happen a lot. It's usually the husband or the boyfriend that get it. But apparently, he now says that he's actually homeless after being told to leave the property... And he only had like one day to get all of his stuff out. He's been completely ostracized by Sadie's family, which I don't, I don't blame them. No, I understand that. Yeah. I'd be like, it's all your fault that my mum's dead. Fuck off. Yeah. Ian had like sold his house before he moved in with Sadie. And Sadie said that she was going to, you know, make sure that he wasn't homeless. But Sadie wasn't counting on dying Straight to not long after you moved in. Because of him? Yeah. During the trial, the jury heard that Ian had inquired about Sadie's will hours after being told about her death. Oh, that's... No. That is not what you should be thinking about. Nope. But apparently they explained it in the fact that he kind of went into firefighter mode, like the, this is what needs to happen. And he kind of... I don't know. Selfish prick, by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. He said that Sadie had said that she would make provision for me because I sold my house, and Sadie wanted me to sell my house as a commitment to us, which is what I did last August. So, and August was when that break-in happened. So, they'd only he'd only been living with her since like just before that break-in happened. So. To be fair, if, like, my boyfriend moved in with me, I'm not going to be, like, putting him on the deeds of the house. Fuck that. You can buy part of the house if he wants to, but I'm not just going to randomly put him on the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's only moved in in August. That's, like, a wed after-marriage thing, if you're going to do that. Yeah. 
I think I'd secure my children's future yeah, rather than a random dude yeah. that had cheated on me before he'd moved in. 100%. So she already knew about that. So, no, fuck you. Whenever reporters try and ask Sadie's family or Sadie's daughter or son about Ian, they completely refuse to comment. Like, most of her family haven't spoken to Ian since the murder at all. And especially in the fact that it came up pretty quickly that uh, Ian's ex, like, well, the fling that he had with that woman, and she was the suspect, it came out pretty quickly that she was high up on the suspect list. So they were all blamed Ian straight away. So I couldn't, I mean, absolutely, I would never speak to that man again. No, of course not. Ever. I wouldn't give him anything. Ian is to blame. He is to Ian blame. Ian is to blame. I know he's also a victim. But it's also partly his fault. Yeah. How is he a victim? Well, because he still had his um, girlfriend murdered. But don't cheat on your wife with the crazies. He knew she was mental. You know, oh my, you'll see the picture. I'll send you a picture of her. Crazy women look like this woman. They have a look. I know that some women completely hide it, but she looks like a fucking nutter. If he was that bothered about her, he wouldn't have been sexting her in Switzerland and he wouldn't have asked about the will a few hours after her death. Exactly. I mean, those two facts alone show that he's a piece of shit. So I don't think he is a victim, to be fair. He didn't murder her, but... Yeah, I don't know. He just kept... I mean, I know the articles that I read about it was like the mirror, the sun, whether he was like interviewed. So God knows what he actually said. And they just took snippets of what he said. Yeah. But it did sound like, oh, woe is me. I'm the, I'm the only victim. Well, no, he didn't say I'm the only victim, but he was like, I've had such stick over this. And I just want him to shut up and go away rather than moan that he's also a victim. I was thinking, ah. Well, are you? (laughs) In my mind, he's absolutely not a victim and he got everything he deserved, which was nothing. Yeah, but Sadie didn't. She didn't deserve any of that and she was just an awesome person. And because of a cheating wanker and complete mental cases, she isn't here anymore. So that's about it on my story this week. But, uh, yeah, it couldn't have happened to a nicer family, a proper nice little family, really, really sweet. Yeah, that's awful. And uh, she actually did, you know, research and stuff to advance people in in intensive care. So, fucking hell. Well, Bex, that was... Yep. There's a photo of um, Sadie and and Ian in, like like, a dinner... And you can see Sarah sat at one of the tables behind them. Ooh. So that's like an eerie... Creepy. um, ...photo. Oh, and in the documentary, it's almost just worth watching it because the police... You know when they do that thing where they break into your house at like six in the morning to arrest people while they're still in bed? Yeah. Well, that's what they do to Sarah. And she's like, what the fuck's going on? I just want to fucking kill her. (laughs) I just want to slap her in the face so bad. Even if you woken up like that, you'd be instantly kind of awake, wouldn't you? She was acting really yeah. tired. Like, even when they got to the station, which would have been at least half an hour later. 
Oh, you're well awake by then, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, oh, if, I, if someone gets me up, like a load of policemen turn on my light and wake me up in the middle of the night. One, I usually wear like a, a vest to, to bed, so one of my boobs would be hanging out. So that would be great. But um, I don't know, you'd just be instantly awake. You'd be shocked, but you'd be awake straight away and she was just pretending to be all tired and like didn't know where she was and like a little... Oh, I just wanted to slap her so Little bad. lost puppy. Yeah. Oh, look at me. Yeah. Crazy bitch. It's a really well put together documentary and anyway, and like I say, um, Sadie's daughter's on there and... Cool. Watch it. I shall. I shall. <laughs> Watch it now. I will. <laughs> In a minute. After the song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Let me hear that song. Oh, well, I can't do it now because that's the song. No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes. Jokes, 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 jokes. The days were good, full of love and laughter, singing and dancing, wedding bells ringing, boys and girls singing. But that was all about to end. There is nothing we can do. Round and round we go. Every time we touch, someone falls. No matter how much we try to stop it, we all fall down. Every day, we hope it could get better, but it doesn't. A tissue is needed now, but does nothing to stop this. No one, nowhere is excluded. All the pails of water won't stop this. Cool. And that's the end of my song. I know what it is. I think I do too. You can tell me after the podcast. I shall. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. All right, then. All right. <laughs> all right, then. I don't know where that's coming from today. <laughs> what is that? All right, then. All right. Welsh? Is it, I think all it's right, then. <laughs> I think it's Welsh. Welsh. I'm so sorry, Wales. Oh. All right, then. Let's say goodbye, then, okay? <laughs> Tasha, you're really good at accents. It wasn't Welsh at all. It was supposed to be Bromy, but hey, there, there you go. <laughs> I think it sounds more Welsh. I don't think Birmingham's that far from Wales. Yeah, is Birmingham it? is more like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, guys, if you enjoy our accents... Come back next week. <laughs> oh, hey. Tash, you need to do that Welsh one again. It was grand. Do you want to see us out Welsh? <laughs> see us out Welsh. Uh, I can try. I can try. All right, then. Well, I <laughs> love it. <laughs> Stay oh, safe, Snell Pet. Stay s- No, I can't do it. I can't oh, do it. I can't no, do you, it. Were so please, you were doing please, it. You were doing it. Please do it. Please it's do it. The pressure. It's oh, but it sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. Um, okay, let me channel my inner Welshman. <sighs> I can't do it. <laughs> Stay safe now. Stay safe now. Stay safe now. Don't be killing people. <laughs> Oh, and keep it I'm weird. Sorry. I can't do voices. No, I keep it weird now. Oh, I keep going to a million different other accents. Oh, I'm crying. 
<laughs> anyway. Goodbye now. <laughs> Goodbye. Boy, Bye. 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 Back to the hand job of the century. Back to the job in hand. (laughs) (laughs) And after 35... After 35... Oh my God, I can't even say 35. After 35... (laughs) Put your teeth back in, love. After 35... (laughs) What's happening? I have to put my glue back in my dentures.